0: Good morning, my fine feathered fiends. Well, actually, it's probably not morning because I didn't release this in morning. Unless you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, then it will be morning. But perhaps it probably is morning somewhere in the world, maybe in Vietnam. If you are in Vietnam, then perhaps this is the morning. In fact, safe is to stay, safe is to stay. Statistically, you probably are not there. Anyway, this is Tuesday's Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill. This is um, just gonna be a you know, a slightly more light-hearted, tongue-in-cheek, little ramble across the music industry, across rock and roll, if it still exists, that's what we're gonna examine today. The aging process, which apparently is happening to us all, even me. I've stated on many an occasion that I'm immortal. Um, And so far, it's working, but however long that lasts, I do not know. So this one is going to be just a bit about metal, about music, and like I said, a sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek look at the aging process and what that does to scenes or gigs or whatever you want. And don't you worry your pretty head in case you thought it was going to be the podcast about the end of the world and the fact that no one really seems to be that bothered or care that much. That's for Friday. So you can get your doom and gloom on then on Friday when we begin to discuss the end of the world and why no one seems to care. Or maybe it's just your algorithm taking the piss out of you, trolling you. So what's it going to be about, right? As I said, a little sort of, um, a little sort of picture of Dorian Gray style look at scenes. So you can follow me on Instagram at nemthianga underscore primordial. I'm growing a small army there, although not as quite, quite as fast as I would like. But I think there's enough of you that we could probably take, we could probably take a small island, maybe off the west coast of Scotland, perhaps one of the Shetland Islands or something like this, and form our own anarcho-syndicalist commune. So um, remember to sign up for that on my Instagram. You can support the show at Patreon.com. Alan Averill, and that is A V E or I double L, the man who shall conquer in April. Yes, a Norman name. Um, That's what it means, apparently. Um, So you can support the show over there for as little as a dollar or whatever is your currency, um, etc. Because I haven't figured out the tiers, which is to my own detriment, but that's just kind of how life is. Right then. A friend of mine um, commented to me about how metal crowds had become, in Ireland specifically, but I suppose because... I've been doing a bit of traveling again, and we've been playing some gigs here and there. Um, I can see that some of the same things he pointed out to me replicated um, in other countries. And um, he pointed out how old uh, the crowds have become in Ireland at gigs. Um, And what did that mean? What did it signify? Are we over the hill? And to be clear, he's about a decade younger than me. Um, But certainly it's something I've been thinking about quite clearly, um, especially post-pandemic. But the fact that the equivalent Dublin show, which Primordial played the other week, um, maybe in 2008 we did that show, or 2010 or 2012, um, that was when we were in our early 30s. And I remember a moment around To The Nameless Dead where it seemed we'd sort of captured some kind of vaguely youthful zeitgeist. At least we were in a few newspapers in Ireland. We had journalists writing about it. There were people who wanted to speak to me from radio stations. People wanted quotes for this. Um, to the nameless dead did kind of lift us up into another bracket from where we were, I suppose, to the periphery of the mainstream, let's say, if not the entirely the mainstream, in places, in places, i.e. you went from being on the second stage to maybe the first stage, but you are on at 4 p.m. or... You move to the end of the bill at um, underground festivals, etc. And, or sorry, etc. I keep on saying that wrong apparently, and I get told off for it every week. Apologies, Eric, for that. Um, it's the habit of a lifetime, and um, which we could also call loving you is exactly the same thing. Um, these habits are difficult to break. Anyway, the point being that. Um, in 2008 or 2010, we did the equivalent Dublin show and there was a kind of youthful energy about it. You could tell because we'd been in a couple of magazines and there was a kind of buzz about the band And um, that the crowd was maybe early 20s to mid 30s to late 30s. Um, and this equivalent show now in 2022 um, had many of the same Irish people. And we are certainly not in our early 30s. And the simple observation is that we are not young men anymore and the crowd kind of ages with you. So it's hardly surprising, with all due respect, and I include the band in this, that the bellies are bigger, the greying is more evident and the bald spots are a little more unforgiving. Are we what you could call now classic rock? Are we? Sort of, right? I don't know. I mean, I used to buy classic rock magazine a lot. And loved all the stories about the 70s bands. Something happened where a couple of years ago where I just stopped buying it and it kind of got a bit tiresome reading again about Queen or ACDC or Thin Lizzy or something from the 1970s. I'm not sure what happened, but the stories were brilliant. And for a while, it was really riding high in the crest of a wave. It was one of the biggest selling musical periodicals. I think it fell off that perch a bit. I'm not sure why. Maybe, again, the people just became a little bit too old. I don't know. Maybe they weren't around bustling in the city centre to pick it up, um, you know, in the newsagent, because I'm sure that the sales of uh, over-the-counter paper magazines are low, 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 so to say. Um, Well, those gigs in 2008, 2009, um, we are certainly not dangerous, edgy young things um, who could be said to be at the cutting edge of what anyone would call a youth movement if we if ever there was one i suppose there was that emergent mid-2000 pagan metal scene and um, pagan black metal scene whatever you want to call it i suppose you could have maybe called it that on some level but this is i guess this is the nature of things and it's how we make peace with that i suppose the aging process um what Obsessed groups and musicians and pop artists in the 70s and 80s, I suppose. Um, And this is kind of a non sequitur, I suppose. But the idea of reinvention. It may be a stretch, but the likes of, uh, let's say, a Madonna, for example. Or most pop artists were compelled to try and constantly reinvent themselves. Um, But this, The Picture of Dorian Gray is just a story. I don't know if you've ever read The Picture of Dorian Gray, but I would recommend it by our boy Oscar Wilde. Um, who is probably due a podcast on his own right. Um, but it's an amazing story about a man, a young man who keeps um, a painting of himself in the attic. And as if I remember correctly, the painting ages, but he does not. Um, few of us, um, us, and I include myself as a musician in this, uh, I suppose the following statement is a bit grandiose. But unless you're a Bowie, um, maybe managing to transcend, transcend age and reinvent yourself um, is almost impossible but that said you know having said that in the mid to late 80s Bowie was starring in fantasy movies and making what were considered quite irrelevant records I think Tin Machine for example before he kind of swung round in vogue and maybe that's what happens you get your second or third or fourth wind I'm not of course comparing us to either Bowie or Madonna but you get the point we age what can we do about it? Madonna um, you know the sort of Um, epitome of youthful pop music in 1983 is now 70. This is just what happens. Um, So what a strange thing to observe as we came out of lockdown, as we emerged from lockdown into a changed and much more chaotic and precarious music industry um, that had just over two years, two and a half years had been taken from us. And prior we had been, let's say, Uh, the near to the 40 side of 45, and now the punctuation mark was clear. You're heading towards 50. And I think a lot of people have been feeling it. Um, And they've been feeling, is this kind of the last chapter for a whole generation of bands? Um, In that I mean the last five years or so. In 10 years, guys from bands like Marduk or Christ or Vader, just as examples, to pick them as the last messages that pinged me happened to be From or in relation to those two bands, Marduk have a new album, apparently Memento Mori, and my good friend Sackis from Rodding Christ asking me some random question about um, backdrop printing. Yes, indeed, the hustle and bustle of the online marketplace still exists between bands asking each other, where's the cheapest place you can get this, etc., etc. And I would include Primordial, maybe less hardworking on the touring side than those bands, but no less old or Um, having started more or less at the same time, those early 90s, um, is the second wave of black metal going to be 60 years old and pulling on the leathers and painting its face? It's really hard to know. I mean, we, of course, saw merciful fate this year and King Diamond is, um, you know, I think he's in his 60s, 63, 64. But don't forget there was a 10 um, year or more period where King Diamond was fallow and then came back the, the, the earth was fertile enough for Merciful Fate to come back but if Merciful Fate had kept ploughing that furrow um, in, 19, in 2004, 2003, 2002 I'm not sure there would be much more than 200 250 people to come and see them in a show now all they do is headline huge festivals so I don't know are you supposed to quit now and then come back when you're 58 I don't know I mean we've talked about it in Primordial are we going to be playing in 5 or 10 years 5 seems five reasonable But 10, who knows? If there's an audience, then maybe it is indeed possible. Maybe our audience just grows with us. But is there a chance of reinvention, of acquiring new fans? Of course, there is on some level. But what is that level? I would observe it's kind of small. My observation is that gigs are very much the preserve of people in their late 20s at the very earliest, up to 50 and 55, but predominantly late 30s to about 50, 52, 53. And having been to see a New Model Army show about um, a week ago in Dublin, it was quite obvious that their audience is 50 plus. But the band were selling a fort- celebrating a 40 or 45th anniversary. So is it really surprising that all their fans are that age? Of course not. I mean, I will say, I suppose there are social, social conventions within Ireland that I think stop classic bands from having a kind of youthful reinvention. If you go and see Sisters of Mercy... In Berlin, I imagine, and um, because of the nature of what that city is, maybe my, um, you know, my artistic imagining, imagination of that city is a little bit removed from the uh, reality. But having seen shows like that in Berlin, there are seem to be more young people who are clued into the idea that oh, this is a classic electronic goth band. This is the band without whom there would be no Boy Harsher. So if I like Boy, boy Harsher, maybe I should go and give reverence. Um, same with the cure those kind of bands are to see Morris here or something like this it seems less so here. Why is that? Well there's many social constraints but I'll get into that um, but I've often said that uh, all scenes at least socially don't forget there's gig wise and then there's socially even though a gig is a social thing but socially exist within some very basic social confines a scene that is just middle-aged men will remain more or less exactly that and become older and with every um year, a slight thinning of the herd, you know, you can only do, the law of diminishing returns I mean, you can only return to the well so many times before, bit by bit, people get pissed off with it being basically like that just a men's club. The simple fact is that for a scene to survive socially, it needs young people and whether anyone balks at the idea um, that oh, what are they doing here at the Morbid Angel show, they don't know the Necrovore demo they're just posturing, posing well, yeah, you Unfortunately, the truth is you need posers <laughs> to make your scene, um, you know, to move it along, move it along the rails a bit or else the fucking wheels just become very rusty. And then people just, you know, they just ditch the, the train when it you know, rolls through the station. They go, I'm getting off of this platform. And they head off to the suburbs. Um, was there enough awkward metaphor in there? I don't know. Um, but if anyone balks at the idea that it needs young people, or maybe don't know all the music, and let's be honest, we don't when we're young, who are there to hang out, to do what young people do, act cool, try and hook up, or, well, whatever they did, once upon a time. But maybe that's changed, and maybe that's part of what I'm trying to sort of discuss in this tongue-in-cheek Tuesday podcast. But that seems to be very once upon a time, once upon a time, because there is a conspicuous absence of young people from gigs. I mean, when you were 20, did you want to be seen dead at a gig with people who were 45? Probably not. But if the band was cool enough, then probably. Did you go to the bars where older people did? Probably not. But are there bars right now which are filled with young people? I somehow don't think so. I think there are chat rooms or whatever, maybe. So chat rooms. (laughs) But... I would even ask to ask, do younger people even go to bars? Yes, old man shouts a cloud. Once again, I get it. I mean, look, this is the podcast for that, right? I mean, it's easy to observe that festival culture is more or less surviving. Um, okay, so there are other financial problems and issues now um, in relation to tickets, flights, all the other industry stuff. But when you go to Vacken or Hellfast, you will see many young people. And that's because Hellfast and Vacan have become such um such a like a rite of passage, like a heavy metal spring break, or you go for the crack, if you're Irish. Um, you know, the 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 side tents are, let's be honest, where you were away from most of the awful. Off- music that passes for the mainstream, whether it's Arch Enemy or Eskimo, Callboy or whatever nonsense like Ailstorm. But the tents are often where the real music fans are. The older crowd go to see and I use the word with no remorse real bands playing in the side tents. The mainstream is pretty much a kind of rotten thing, mostly when it comes um, to sort of, you know, well, just music. But festival culture kind of survives because Young people see it as just, um, you know, it's just something that they go to, like I said, like a rite of passage. But as an aside, um, so much of what seems to be popular in the mainstream, at least on those stages, revolves around visual novelty. If you think about, for example, some of the bands who were popular um, in the mid to late 90s, let's take Typo Negative, for example. I think it could never be popular now. It's just too dark, too involved the songs are too long for this generation's attention span a band like Tiamat would never sell 200,000 albums anymore or the equivalent in streams corn with their down-tuned angst my dying bride they would you know um the angel in the dark River whatever this the cry of mankind this would never be on MTV during the middle of the day this would never be selling 80,000 records anymore this would never be at the end of a festival on stage two while the other stage had big, big bands on it. It just would never happen. And I think that's because um, everything has been so atomized. And, you know, I've talked about it before, but the idea that TikTok culture reduces music to 15, 30 seconds, the idea that Christian Woman by typo negative could hit home with anyone anymore other than 100 people in, uh, you know, a a grimy underground club who understand um, its worth, I think is very thin. I don't think it would sell anymore. light um, Lighthearted, pastiche and visual novelty seems to be the selling point. If you've ever heard of Frog Leap, for example, you'll know what I mean. Or like I said, Eskimo, Cowboy, whatever it is. And these bands take the spots um, on stages that once would have been taken by real musicians. Not novelty, but it sadly seems to be what people want. The past, the past, yes, the past. The post-Google generation and, oh, old man shouts at clouds. I don't think you have the attention span to engage with dark music like this in the mainstream. Of course, there are um, underground bands who um, prove the contrary and can tour to, you know, 100, 200 people. I have a feeling they're more like electronic music than um maybe, you know, analog guitars and bass type music. But I do have to ask the question, is there a rock band somewhere? Today's Tuesday in Dublin. Is there a rock band on a... Um, Tuesday night, um, waiting to play in front of a you know like four hundred teenagers, um, playing in some dive venue, um, packed into a small venue, sweat dripping down the walls, buzz and excitement, a rock band. It seems unlikely to me. Um, you know we haven't we have a, in my opinion a pretty awful band from Ireland called the Fontaines. Yeah, if you like them, that's okay. But it appears to me to be a sort of tribute act to a certain kind of. I'm um, nostalgic Irish protest rock with a sort of vaguely punk attitude um, that when I when I was watching the crowd file into their show because they happen to be playing more or less across the road from me. Um, I just happened to be out on the street um, and observing and it appeared to me to be kind of older people who are into them as they remind them of some of the bands they were into in 87 or 97 were filing in to see them. I didn't really see that many young people. Hey, maybe I'm obsessing too much. And um, somebody's going to do a, you know, an algorithmic word search and go, he keeps mentioning young people a lot. Yes, indeed. Anyway, so what's the reason? Is it just a simple fact that music is just not as important overall? Um, Less than gaming, social media or making content? Most likely. And if so, then what are kids going to see? Um, It could quite easily be in the post-lockdown world, nothing. They are communing online. Um, they are experiencing their um, post-adolescent life um, in a kind of atomized, remote sort of way. I mean, at least anecdotally, speaking to my friends with kids who are in the teenage years, this seems to be almost exactly the case, that the kids are kind of like this. The kids are not all right, as they would say. At least I would explain the lack of reinvention in most scenes, and I don't think it's just a heavy metal thing. I've no doubt... Punk, indie, folk, blues, all have the same issue. I mean, if you're unlucky enough to maybe like an awful band like Teenage Fan Club, just off the top of my head. Awful, awful stuff. But whatever, if you like them, that's fine. But go and see them now. I guess their audience is all 40 plus. I imagine bellied, bellied, bellied dudes with grey beards and bald spots. Exactly the same as the metal scene. Um, Probably trying to fit into, you know, or donning ill-fitting t-shirts. The same thing. And... I'm not making a big issue out of that. It's just the passing of time. It happens to us all. But let's make a division here. There is the gig scene, and then there's the social scene. And a social scene, and by now most social scenes connected to metal, punk, or indie music are not really the same, certainly not the same post-lockdown, and certainly with energy crisis, with people's other worries. um, There is far less, there's there's a far less sense of um, sort of financial freedom and a, a sort of um, recklessness or frivolousness or there's just less fun it would seem to be um, had. Um, maybe that's just me. But then again, I doubt, don't think I was ever fun. And I'm quite proud of that. Anyway, so there is just the music and the gig. And then you head back to the suburbs, drink some wine at home, Netflix, and certainly not chill if you're middle aged. So what happens? The gig scene just ages. And the social scene just withers on the vine. Um, but wasn't the social aspect always part of rock and roll? I just happened to be watching on Netflix. There's a very unusual documentary about Steve Bator, who was from The Dead Boys, then went on to um, Lords of the New Church. Um, you know, a guy, a punk rock guy who seemed to embody a certain 76, 77 period of... I mean, it's it's sort of fashion stuff, triumphing over... Um, what could we say? An element of what would be in heavy metal standards musical integrity. Either you stick by something. It was just a constant need to just change all the time every six months. We're punk now. We're this now. We're goth that. We're post-punk. Blah, 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 blah. Chasing the um, the cultural zeitgeist all the time. Fine. Fine and well. Go and listen to The Dead Boys, um, the first album from 77. Great stuff. Anyway, there's a documentary about him and how he ended up in Paris and he ended up Um, dying in Paris and so much of what surrounded not just the gigs of Dead Boys was this kind of emergent social scene the rock and roll um, the rock and roll that went with it Um, and that had just had its own sort of like um, life outside of just standing on the stage and that social aspect was always part of rock and roll or else it just becomes a sort of travelling ageing nostalgic cabaret a tribute to itself a tribute to its own youth. Um, I don't know, maybe this is what happens. Um, Old bands just reform and play to the people who liked them 30 years ago, and everybody gets a babysitter, everybody books a hotel, everybody heads back to the burbs and goes, great, we heard the songs we liked when we were 20. I mean, maybe that's just how it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe none of it matters, maybe none of it matters, but that's, hey, I'm doing a podcast, what do you want me to talk about? But the atomized and remote nature of the coming society, which I think is coming, will be, I think, the end of a form of analog living, which rock and roll was part of, or at least in a great percentage. And those of us who are left may just have to accept this is how things are. There isn't a huge form of reinvention. You age, your crowd ages. And just enjoy it like a fine wine. Enjoy it that you see your friends there. Enjoy it that the music still exists. Enjoy it that this commune that you understand, that we understand, still exists. This certainly uh, is how I have had to think about it lately. And, you know, um, not to verge into, we should not verge into parody, obsessing about who you were at 20 or 27 or whatever, but enjoy the facts that um, surround who you are now. Making music, still managing to travel for now, And the fact that there are people in the crowd uh, who want to see you. It's a precarious tightrope, the ageing business, but something none of us can escape. And of course, there's nothing worse than mutton dressed as lamb, i.e., you know, trying to dress up in the same clothes you wore when you were 20. I remember having a discussion with um, Tim from Sirith Ungol when he was talking about coming back. And I said, first thing question, of course, was, do you still have the voice? And he said, yeah. I said, well, Dude, in my opinion, don't dress like it's 1981. Dress cool, but don't dress like 1981. Because youth, you know, it's, it's, it's the past is another country. And we can still exist within, you know, on the same planet or maybe another part of the same country. But trying to constantly inhabit... Um, where youth lies, I think, is a fool's errand, which is maybe where some of the second wave of black metal is headed, I don't know, or where 80s traditional and epic metal has arrived at already for years, I don't know. As I said, men who should know better pulling on the spandex and ironing their Affliction t-shirt clothing and hitting the stage for an audience who mainly look the same, minus a few young dudes in patch vests. But then again, who cares? Why not? Maybe we should grow old disgracefully, As well, and wring every last drop of youth and fun out of it before Putin presses that button. But I'm going to get to that on Friday. So, the conclusion is, no one is really Dorian Gray. Maybe just enjoy the aging process like, uh, I don't know, like a fine wine or something like this. Um, And none of us can escape. As the song says, none of us get out of here alive. So maybe we don't need... Reinvention. Maybe we just like what we like and it exists in the periphery of this new society and it grows old with us and maybe it does die off with us and maybe somebody rediscovers it in 20 years. Who knows? Who knows? I am not Dorian Gray, although I'm trying hard to be immortal. Indeed, my friends, just as an aside, I have here to mention two albums I've been listening to a lot the last couple of weeks. One is Sumerland's Um, which is um, their new record, Dream Killer, is just great. Um, And it it speaks to what we've just been talking about as it's a super vibrant, energetic, heavy metal record, the kind I wasn't listening to during lockdown or couldn't stomach. But it's just so reeks of um, commitment to a sort of element of positivity or an element of vibrancy and energy that 1980s heavy metal encapsulated. um, And maybe it was just stuck in that old time capsule. But it's got elements of man of war, kind of virgin steel. It's got some docking. It's got just uh, so much, so many great uplifting qualities, and maybe one of the best vocal performances um, in a modern heavy metal band I've heard in a decade or so. Absolutely thrilling stuff. Sumerlands. Lands, I cannot recommend it enough. It will put a smile on your face. And lastly, but not list-ly, list-ly? listlessly, listlessly. Maybe. Leastly, listlessly. Um, the new Autopsy album is a bit of a killer. Autopsy, in my opinion, made one of the top three death metal albums of all time with Mental Funeral, alongside Deicide, Deicide and Altism Madness. Come at me if you disagree, but they're my top three. Anyway, the new album. Here we are, talking about a band that's been existing since 1987 coming out with a great album. Are they going to reinvent themselves for new death metal fans? Maybe some, but I presume it's just going to be old dudes who were there in 91, 92 going, God damn, yep, God damn it. Yes, they still exist. And I still get off on this crude, disgusting, vile form of death metal. And it reminds me of our guitar player's wife who just happened to be um, we were sitting around somewhere and she picked up a copy of Acts of the Unspeakable that just happened to be sitting on a table, not into death metal at all, and just opened it on a random page and read out the first lyric she came across and it just said, vomit on the nearest asshole. My friends, agitator's Anonymous, Tuesday's Ramble, The Nature of Getting Old, You Don't Get Out of Here Alive, I'm Alan Averill, Take It Easy, Don't Take Me Too Seriously.